I, my mind went to, uh, Dr. Herb Noe was a blessing in my life. And I went to that little institute for about a year and a half before I went down to Bible college and he taught pastoral epistles and both him and Mrs. Noah were such precious people. But taught me some practical things. One thing he taught me years ago, years ago, and I've practiced it ever since, probably cut a night, I can't even remember, maybe 30 years ago, to make a list every day of things I have to get done and not to finish your day without finishing that list. Just write down 10 things or 12 or whatever. There's something else he taught me some years ago, and I've been using it of late, sort of, kind of, off and on. But he said he'd get tired. He said, Brother Brown, when you get older, it's okay to take a nap. <laughs> Amen. It's okay to take a nap. So, but, you know, you got to. And, and he had trouble with sleep as he aged. And he said he used to sit in a chair and he'd hold his keys in his hand like this. And he said he'd close his eyes like some of you have done during my preaching before. <laughs> and right, I just saw this. That's why I mentioned it. Many of you are already there with me. But he'd hold and hold him in his hand until he had fallen asleep. And then he'd relax so much, he'd, keys would drop out of his hand. And he knew that was enough to have rest. And then he'd get up and preach and do what he got. Try it. You'll like it. But some of you look like you're already there. And I'm, always, I'm already there. And so I promise I'll preach fast. And if you'll stay awake. And if your keys start dropping, I'll know it's time for me to, to finish. That just... Popped in my mind when they were singing. That was wonderful, wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. We are, we are definitely blessed. I'm excited tonight. The children choir will be singing. Got something special tonight. And uh, got a message the Lord gave me, and we won't be too long. But it'll be a great service. Don't miss it. Last week, just getting some Christmas thoughts, we dealt with Matthew chapter 2 and dealt with the considerations of Christmas and Christ. This morning, I want to preach out of Luke chapter 1. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful name, Jesus. We've been singing about it this morning, if you didn't pay attention. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 26. Verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the sweet service. Lord, I actually could go home, and I've been filled. The Sunday school and the choir and the special and the sweet place this morning here in your house. I sent your presence. Lord, for the little while we're here, pray you take the message and use it to help us to speak to our hearts, be with the deaf. And please be with the children as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. 
Many years ago, there was a, a woman missionary that went to try to get the gospel to the American Indians. And she, one night, was asked to give a testimony at a church about her life and about her ministry. Uh, she said she had never forgotten something that stayed with her all the days of her, of her ministry years that happened early in her, in her ministry with the American Indians. She shared how one day she, she met an Indian woman and she realized in speaking to her that this woman had never, ever heard the name of Jesus before. And, you know, that seemed strange to her to come to a people that had never heard the name of Jesus when she had heard the name of Jesus her whole life. Well, that evening, she said, as she lay in bed, that kept running through her mind, the events of the day and speaking to that Indian woman and how she had never heard about Jesus before. And uh, as she lay there, almost falling asleep, she heard a knock on the door. She came downstairs and came to the door tentatively. She cautiously opened the door, and there stood an Indian man that she had never met. She was apprehensive, so she stepped out on the porch, and she asked the Indian man, Can I help you? And he replied, Teacher, I have traveled seven miles tonight to ask you a question that's been troubling me. What is his name? He asked her. What is his name? She was puzzled for a moment, and then he spoke to her. He said, there's a woman in our village that told us about a great man. She said, you told us about this great man that could heal the sick and help others and be kind to people. But he said, I can't remember his name. What is his name? And the missionary woman said, Jesus. The old Indian turned around and walked away down the path saying, that's it. That's it. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Folks, there, I know it's hard for us to understand, but there are people still in our world today that have never one time heard the name of Jesus. We're Westerners. We can't, comp we can't wrap our mind around that, but there are people on the mission field. There are people in this world that have never heard the name of Jesus, let alone heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never saw a Bible or heard preaching. It's amazing, but it's true. We sing all the time. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and it's just the same as his lovely name, and that's the reason why I love him so, for Jesus is the sweetest name I know. But there's a bunch of people, hosts of people that have never heard that name one time. Our world needs to hear the name of Jesus. Amen. Our world still has not heard about Jesus. And we're drawing close to Christmas. And you would be amazed in our environment how many people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never heard a clear gospel presentation of Jesus Christ. Never went one time to a gospel preaching church. Never have had a gospel tract placed in their hand here in America in 2019. It's up to us to tell them about Jesus to inform him about Jesus. Here in our text, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary so long ago, and he says in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, And behold, he says, pay attention to this, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. I want to consider today the name of Jesus. It's interesting that Pastor Williams had a message today on the mighty God. Some things just kind of go together today. But 
I want you to notice that it is John writing in many times in the Bible about Jesus. We started out in Luke, and Luke has the account there, but other times in the Bible, the name of Jesus is mentioned most often by the Apostle John. John knew the Lord, and in his advancing years, he had been asked of God to write much information about Jesus. John was the only surviving disciple that didn't die by martyrdom. He died by natural causes. They tried to kill him, as we mentioned last week. They tried to boil him in oil. He didn't die, and he, God kept him alive to write the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John's getting older now, and John, I imagine, in his advancing years, is reminiscing about the ministry years that he had with the Lord. And John gives us much information about Jesus and the name of Jesus. So follow me as we look at a few of these this morning. The first one is in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12. And we're going to read here about through the name of Jesus, there is a wonderful thing called instantaneous pardon. Instantaneous pardon. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12, we read this. I write unto you, little children, because, ye are, uh, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now again, John at this point is an, is an old man. And I can imagine in my mind's eye how John was remembering former days that he spent with the Lord, that he loved. Former days that he spent with the disciples of Christ. Good times, good days. I'm sure in advancing years he was thinking about the, the miracles that he saw and heard, the preaching that he heard. And, and John's, of course, getting old in the Lord and he's thinking along these lines. And he's got something to write. And as he's dwelling on these things, he realizes the things that he has seen. You ever, you ever talk to a person that's in their 90s or 100 or past 100? It's amazing to sit down and talk to those people for the things that they have seen come to pass. John, here early in the first century church, he, he's seen so many things. But looks, he had seen and heard the word himself. He had spent time with Jesus himself and heard his words and was a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Here's something else John saw. He's looking back at time and he saw the church birthed into existence. He saw the church grow by leaps and bounds. It was an amazing time. And John survived a lot of storms. Great persecution. And now he's penning down for his little children, he says. And to us today, it's, God has preserved his word, hallelujah. That so we could read these words. And now John speaks to his little children, the people of God, who he had won and who he had influenced and he had helped. And they're waiting to hear something wonderful from the aged John, their spiritual father. And he says, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you, for his name's sake. We sit here today, we're forgiven because of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what would he say to them as he's getting ready to pen this important uh, letter, this epistle? What would he write in his mind to bless them and better their lives and help them in their walk with the Lord? And I believe John just kind of reminisces I believe he kind of reflects about the glory of God 
And I think John was sharing with his little children how much he loved Jesus Christ. And he writes and he says, I write unto you little children. You know, I look at the age preachers that I've had in my life, and now I'm getting to be one. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm getting to be there. But I would love if the Lord tarries to be an old preacher of God. I really would. And I, I hope that I honor him in my senior years. I hope I don't hurt the testimony of Jesus Christ. I, I, you know, I don't want all the aches and pains of age, but I hope I, I, I hope I gracefully get older in the Lord and I can be a blessing and a help to younger people. That's what I hope. That's my that's my desire. John was an old man here. What's he going to say? What's he going to say to his little children? The people that he had won. The people that, you know, I, I've been here long enough where a lot of people sitting here today that are adults, they weren't here when I came. They, were, they weren't even thought about. Some of them have been born. Some of them have their married now and they have their own children now. And it's, it's kind of a unique, it's special, it's precious to have that. And I'm still not getting up there. Some of you might think so, but I'm not. But, but one day maybe I will be. And I may no longer be pastor here. Maybe I'll just be the old preacher that passes by every once in a while with beautiful Mrs. Brown. And we give a testimony and tell you what God's doing in our family and in our ministry in older years. But I want to have an influence on people. And John's wanting this. I can see it in his writing. He, he writes unto his little children, those that he have influenced, and they're waiting to see, what's John going to say? Like I told about old Doc, no way. I would sit there, what's he going to say this time? And he'd, he, 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 he'd get up to that pulpit, and he'd bend over, and he'd point his finger at everybody. He wasn't being unkind. That's just his mannerisms. I can see him in my eye right in the mind's eye now. And he would come up with some of the most wonderful stuff. That's in preaching, but how do you get him in a little tiny classroom all by himself and ask him questions and just listen to that man of God? Sometimes you'd go and say, what's he going to say now? What's he going to tell us now? Amen? Amen? And John's saying, hey, little children, realize you're forgiven in the name of Jesus. In that wonderful name of Jesus, there's forgiveness. Now, these Jews that he's talking to, Listen now, you got to understand their mind, their, their mind, their thinking. They had been Jews their whole life, and their whole life they've been told to keep the law. Their whole life they've, they've been told to dot their I's and cross their spiritual T's. Their whole life they've been trying to fulfill the law, the rigid law of Moses. But always they felt inadequate, they felt undone, they felt dissatisfied because they knew in their hearts they could not keep the law. And although as much as they tried, they never attained perfection. And that's what the law calls for. And year after year, they struggle with this. The unreachable, unattainable perfection of the law of Moses, the law's demands, but James writes in chapter 2, verse 10, For whatsoever, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend one point, he is guilty of all. Man. And so they knew they couldn't coup. But here John gets this. You ever, have a, you ever have an aha moment? Aha. This is John's. And he's getting ready to write. And he says, you know what? I'm going to write about that name. 
That name of Jesus, that name that he had come to love because he knew Jesus. He knew the change in his life. He knew how much he loved the Lord. He knew uh, even though he had a rough life because of the gospel, he's looking back now in all those years that he's just so blessed. He wants to leave that with his little children. I heard a story of a man years ago in the city of Chicago. Maybe you've heard of him. There, there is a there is a mission called the Pacific Garden Mission, been there forever, downtown Chicago. And there was a man, a preacher, his name was Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter got saved, but before he got saved, Mel, Totter, Mel Trotter was a drunken. He, was a, he lived in debauchery. He was such a notable drunk and a sinner that, here's what happened, he lost his job, he lost his home, he lost his wife, he lost his family, he lost his self-respect, lost everything. He couldn't quit drinking. Because of his addictions and because of his wicked lifestyle, he just was a street person. Back then they used the word skid row bum, and that's what he called himself. Mel Trotter got saved under the ministry of Billy Sunday, and Billy Sunday was a drunk who Stumbled in the same place, Pacific Garden Mission, and he heard the gospel, professional baseball player, number two at that time to stolen bases and hits, I believe, the same year with Ty Cobb. And Billy Sunday was a ball player, and he was going by the Pacific Garden Mission, downtown Chicago, and he heard someone preaching, and he went in there and heard the gospel and got gloriously saved and left ball playing to preach the gospel. And oh, what a preacher Billy Sunday was. Well, Mel Trotter became an evangelist that worked with Billy Sunday for many years. But before he got saved, he was just an old drunk like Billy was. But they got saved because they heard the name of Jesus. But Mel Trotter's story is this. He said one night he stumbled into the mission. He heard someone singing a song before one of the services started. You see, back in that day, the street people would come in to the garden mission to get a shower to have a meal, and to get some sleep in a cot. You see, today, that stuff's going away because you've got to be politically correct. Because back then, before they let you have a shower and get a meal and rest for the night, you had to hear the gospel. That's what they don't want to hear today. It's sad because you know how many people have been saved in missions throughout the history of gospel missions? Because somebody gave them the gospel before they got a bath and a meal. And they're not unhappy about it. But we have all this crowd today that you can't do that. You know, you, gotta, you can't force the gospel on anyone. Well, Mel Trotter, he went in there because he wanted something to eat. And he wanted a, a bath. And he wanted a place to sleep. And as that service started, there was, there was a woman and she was singing a song. Here's the song she sung. There's a wideness in God's mercy. That was the title of the song. And when the church service was over, he couldn't get that song out of his mind. Now, because of his drunkenness, because of his life of wickedness, he had lost his wife, he had lost his children. But on occasion, Mel would sneak over to her father's house where he knew dad took the kids in and took his daughter in because the drunk didn't take care of his responsibilities. And most of the time they won't, by the way. 
And dad assumed the responsibility and he would sneak over in the middle of the night and he'd get close enough to the house that he could see through the window and perhaps sometimes just get a glimpse of his children because he missed his children. But he couldn't quit his drinking. He said that night, it affected him so much, it drove him to that house. And he said that he lay all night in the backyard of his, of his, of his father-in-law's house. He laid there in the cold, and he said that that old song kept running through his mind, running through his mind, and here's what happened. In, in the morning, instead of creeping toward the house to get a peek at the kids, he gives this testimony. He said, instead, I crept up, I crept up to the feet of Jesus to get something that I needed in my soul. He said, when I asked Jesus to help me, listen now, he said, I didn't get a scolding. And God knew I, need, I had plenty of that. He said, I didn't get any pity. He said, I didn't get any rebuke because I got plenty of that from people too. He said, but what happened is the Lord put his loving arms around me and he loved me and he listened to my penitent heart pouring out to him. And he said, when the sun arose, I was a new man. He said, I called on Jesus and he heard my cry and he saved my wretched soul and he made me brand new. Whew. Sounds like David. Psalm 40. Verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me. He heard my cry. My name's not Mel Trotter. I was never a drunkard. I was well on my way. As a teenager working in a bar, drinking all the time, drinking with my buddies, I won't go into all that. Hey, listen, young people, I was a punk. Some of you probably are too, but you don't realize. You just, you're all dressed up now. And, but I was a punk. I thought I was cool, I was bad. I, and I, I want to glorify the sin that I was involved in. But, but I tell you what, he saved my soul. I'm glad I didn't get to where he was, where I broke up my marriage and caused me to have to sneak around, look through the window to see my kids at Christmas time. God saved me from all that, too. Gospel will save your soul and send you to heaven, but it'll save your life, too. You don't have to live a miserable life. You don't have to live all kinds of carnage behind, broken hearts and broken lives. Amen. That's what's wrong with our world today. It's broken. It needs to be mended. It needs to believe on Jesus Christ. If there's somebody here today and you're not saved, listen, clean yourself up, acting kind of civil every once in a while, it's not going to get it. You're still going to end up in hell. You need to get born again. You need to get really saved. You need to ask Jesus Christ in your heart and life. Oh, Mel Trotter, he got saved. Boy, he went on and preached the gospel for Jesus Christ. I love this song, and I won't sing it, but I, I, won't, I love to sing it. it. It's one of my favorite songs. It's called It's Real by Homer Cox. He wrote it in 1907, but you know the words. He says, oh, how well do I remember how I doubted day by day, for I did not know for certain that my sins were washed away. When the Spirit tried to tell me I would not the truth receive, I endeavored to be happy and to make myself believe. But he said, when the truth came close in searching, all my joy would disappear. 
for I did not have the witness of his spirit bright and clear. If at times the coming judgment would appear before my mind, oh, it made me so uneasy, for God's smile I could not find. But I like this line. But at last I tired of living. Such a life of fear and doubt, for I wanted God to give me something I would know about. So the truth would make me happy and the light would clearly shine. And the Spirit gave assurance that I am His and He is mine. Here's the last verse. So I prayed to God in earnest and not caring what folks said. I was hungry for the blessing. My poor soul, it must be fed. Then at last by faith I touched him. This is the great. And like sparks from smitten steel, just so quick salvation reached me. Oh, bless God. I know it's real in the chorus, but it's real. It's real. I know it's real. Praise God. The doubts are settled. For I know, I know it's real. I don't know. There might be somebody out here. You don't know it's real. You just heard about it, but you don't have it. You know you don't have it. But it's real. And it comes by hearing the name of Jesus, believing the gospel of Jesus, and then believing on Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's not good enough just to hear it. I want to tell you, everyone in this room today, listen, you are blessed just to hear the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, there are people that have never heard the name of Jesus. And to have the gospel preached to you and the Bible preached and taught to you, Lots of times, maybe your entire life, but have you ever come to faith in Jesus Christ? Here's John. He's old now, and he's talking about salvation, and here's what he says with him. He said that in the name of Jesus, there is instantaneous pardon. Hallelujah. When I got saved, 31, 749 Rosslyn, Garden City, Michigan, upstairs bedroom, it was instantaneously that I was pardoned from all my sin. And wherever you got saved, you were instantaneously saved too. And pardoned from all your sins at the name of Jesus. Now turn, John wrote some more. Turn to John chapter 14. Real quick, we'll move on. John tells us that through the name of Jesus, there is inspired prayer. After you get saved, now you're on, on praying ground. You can talk to God, and he hears your prayers. John chapter 14, verse 13, the Bible says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, there it is, the name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John's reminiscing, I believe, again. I don't know. I'm preaching this sermon. You're not, so go along with me here. He was thinking about a time when he heard the words of Jesus. In John chapter 16, verse 24, John writes these words. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name, he tells him. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now, I'm assuming, let's, say, just say, let's say you're saved. You know the Lord. Let me ask you, are you asking Jesus for anything? You know, I know some Christians that have gotten so messed up, so away from God. They can clean up pretty good and look good sometimes. But, I mean, in their heart and their life, they know they're messed up. And you know what they tell me sometimes? They don't pray. You know why they don't pray? They don't feel worthy. You know why they don't feel worthy? It's because they know being a Christian, they're not honoring God with their life. 
And so I know Christians sometimes can get in such a spot that they don't even pray anymore. Not because they don't need to pray. They know they need to pray. But they don't feel they can pray. But you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You hear that? All unrighteousness. Well, you don't understand what I said. All unrighteousness. You know what I did, preacher? All unrighteousness. Pastor, you don't know how I've hurt all unrighteousness. Pastor, you have no idea what I've gotten into all unrighteousness. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ is effectual. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We're serious with God. God will eliminate. David said, Lord, rescue me from presumptuous sin. That means we just don't say, well, I'm going to go have me a good time, then I'll just ask God to forgive me, and I'll go do it again. No, 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 no. You can't do that. But if you're sincere, God hears that prayer. That, that pardon that received in Christ now opens the door to inspired prayer. Hitherto you have, you, you ask nothing in my name. He said, you, you ought to be asking, but you're not. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Our God wants us to know joy. Not sorrow, not regret, not guilt, not shame. Amen. John heard the words of Jesus. He writes in verse 13 of chapter 14 of John, his gospel, and whosoever shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We're commanded to pray in Jesus' name. When I pray, I usually in something like this, I'll say, Lord, I'll say, Father, in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. That, 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 that's access. That's an open door. That name, that powerful name, that name whereby we petition God, it gets us to the throne room. Amen. And the Bible teaches that the name of Jesus commands attention in heaven. When they hear that name in heaven, it means something. Listen, saints, we have access. We have, we have assurance that when we go to God in prayer, he hears our prayer. Pastor Williams was preaching. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. He taught in Sunday school. But the fact is, you and I have access to ask. And he says, ask in my name. Have you quit asking because you're ashamed? Or you feel unworthy? You can take care of that. Amen? Maybe you say, well, that's all I ever do is ask. He wants you to. He wants you to have joy. He wants a relationship with you, Christian. My wife and I, we've been married for 43 years, and I enjoy her fellowship. She enjoys mine. She goes away to see the kids. I hate it every time. I love it when she returns. That's me. I don't know about her. She might want to get rid of me half the time, but I, I feel that way. And, you know, if I came home and she didn't speak to me, I, I didn't say, hey, hon, how are you? How was your day? I didn't get a kiss. I didn't get a... I would hope she missed it. I know I do. When she's gone, your Lord loves you, saint. So why don't you talk to him? I can't imagine a day when my wife not speaking to me. I can't imagine a day that I don't have communion with the Lord and he with me and he with me. 
The name of Jesus gives us assurance. Many years ago, in Essex, England, there was a shipwreck, and it, it was endangering the sailors that were on board. A thick fog had come in, and the crew on that ship, they couldn't see the coastline. They knew they were in jeopardy of losing the ship. Back then, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have sonic this or that. It just, you know, they had lighthouses. What about that? And you know, they had people that would stand out on, on a hilltop and use a lantern to just let them know we're here in the midst of the fog. They had the old-time fog horns. I took my wife to Prince Island, uh, Prince Island, uh, Prince... Yeah, all you Anna Green Gables people know. I took her over there, and we were over there, and there was like big lighthouses, but they also had these big, large horns, and, and they would let them off. with. They had a steam house, and the steam would go through those mechanisms, and, oh, and they could hear it from miles and miles and miles away, warning them about the shoreline. Well, these men were on this ship here in England, and it was so thick they could not see, and they, they didn't know how close they were to the shore. The captain knew they were in jeopardy of losing the ship, but not only the ship, but maybe their lives. And so his final orders came to the men on board. He said, tie yourself to the rigging of the vessel. And then he announced, he said, I've done everything I know to save you men. Here's his last words. Hold on. Well, there's a little cabin boy on the ship, and he said, Skipper, you haven't done everything to save us. He said, what are you talking about, boy? He said, you haven't prayed. You haven't prayed. Then the captain offered up a simple but sincere prayer to God to help and to give deliverance. He happened to look at his watch, and his watch read 1.25 a.m., well, unknown to the crew, at that present time, there was a Coast Guardsman peering through the fog. He saw the ship, and he reported the matter to the authorities. They dispatched a, a lifeboat to come and rescue those sailors from off that ship. Later on, they were talking to the captain on shore, and uh, they found out that while they were on board, and just after the captain prayed, that there was a man, unnamed in the story, but a Coast Guardsman, he said, I was the one that saw that ship. And he said, you know, I sent the dispatch to send out a vessel to rescue those men. And he said, when he told the story, it was 1.25, he said, I looked in my log, and you know, I wrote down 1.25 a.m., dispatched help. Folks, there's a God in heaven. He knows where you're at. He knows what time it is. He knows you're hurting. He knows maybe you're dealing with inner turmoil. Marriage, family issues. I don't know, addictions. I, I don't know. Things that you struggle with. And the fact that you are not praying because you, you can't pray because you don't feel worthy to pray because you feel like I've asked before and then I go right back into it again. But there is a name. The name of Jesus that you can call out to your heavenly father and he will help you. He will come to your rescue. We have an instantaneous pardon. 
We have inspired prayer if we pray. And then John taught us something else as the old man. Look at Acts chapter 3. And I won't read all of it because of time. But we see through the name of Jesus, there's increasing power to help and heal. When we need help and healing. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, look on us. See, John's there. John's writing. He's telling us about this. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet were and ankle bones received strength. And he, <laughs> leaping up, stood and walking and entering into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he who had sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Look, verse 16, for time. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you see now. Yea, the faith which by him hath given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. This is the testimony afterward. And in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. There is increasing power to help and heal when we need it through the name of Jesus. John was an eyewitness of these things. John was with Peter when this happened. The Holy Spirit made sure to record it for us. John saw that beggar sitting outside that temple. John saw the misery of his condition. He saw his sadness. He saw his solitude. He saw him sitting there day after day. You know, I thought of this. I was reading the other day. When I was a kid, my parents would take us Christmas shopping down near Detroit, and there was a federal store down there, I think Wyoming and Outer Drive or something like that, and there was always a federal store. And Every year we'd go Christmas. I'd have my little dollars, I say, from shoveling snow and to get something for my parents and my siblings. And there was always an old man there with a tin can and pencils in it, and he'd shake that can. He was blind, and people would put money. I never forgot that. And I'm thinking here, here's a man. He's sitting by that temple. He never got in the temple, outside the temple. And what happened? Nobody cared. Nobody helped. My wife and I were out yesterday a little bit. And they were collecting money. You know, there's all these different, you know, uh, good fellows. The other day, I, I saw three good fellows. And I'd see another one. You, you, you almost feel guilty. And they kind of look at you like, oh, okay. You're not going to give anything. But I just gave three times. And so everywhere you go, there's, you know, and that, that's fine. But here's the firemen out. And they got their boot. And they're collecting up money. Same thing. And I, I felt bad because I was avoiding them. I... I thought, I already gave three times. I gave another day. And the other day, I said, round up your change. The other day, here's 10 bucks. Here's five bucks. 
I don't know, I'm just kind of a selfish guy sometimes, but what made me think about it was I read this text, and here's this guy every day, ask for alms. And don't you know those Jews, they love God. They went in the temple, they didn't even look at him. They got tired of that. They got tired of that. Why is he always there? He's always panhandling. Why? And they got away from not even giving him anything. They didn't even recognize him. They didn't even consider him. Amen. You know, there's a bunch of people out there that are charlatans and crooks. I get it. Use discernment. But there are some real people with trouble. And so many times, if we're not careful, we'll just pass them by and we won't even give them a thought. It's like they don't even exist. They're invisible. This man was invisible. And they went in to worship God and they came out worshiping God. And all he did was sit there and sit there, helpless and hopeless. But look at Acts chapter 3, verse 4. And Peter fastened his eyes on him with John and looked at him. I know he was an independent Baptist preacher because he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received. And here's what he does. He's leaping and dancing and praising God. And he's doing it in the house of God. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he, he believed on that name. He was healed in that name. Amen. And all he could ever do is sit outside the temple now he's got healed legs and he's in the temple. And what's he doing? He's praising God. And I can imagine there were some in their churches like we have every once in a while in this church that thought, what's he praising God for this time? By the way, if somebody raises a hand to praise the Lord because they're blessed, I saw somebody this morning. Somebody was singing and I saw a fellow go, ah. Let them do it. Amen. I'm not trying to be mean, but some, listen, you can come across so sanctimonious and so spiritual. Leave them alone. God has not made any of us the praise police. And I'll help you here. I've gotten notes about it. I've gotten talked to about it. I've gotten asked about it. And listen, if you can't figure out what's real and what's not, I'm sorry. But this preacher's not going to tell somebody, don't praise God. If they're fake, if they're phony, if they're charlatan, if their message doesn't, if their praise doesn't mass up their life, I will tell them. You don't tell them. Please. Be kind. Be considerate. Be Christian. Because here's a guy sat outside the gate. But when he got saved and he got healed, he couldn't help himself but leaping and jumping and praising God. And they said, there he is, a religious man. They're not happy he got saved. They're not happy he got healed. They're not happy that he's a different man. They're upset because he's ruining the services. <laughs> You're welcome. You. Moving on. I don't, moving on. Just be kind. Be friendly. Maybe somebody worships God a little different than you. And you praise the Lord people. Don't get on everybody because they don't do just like you do. Some people cry. 
I'm, I'm really weepy today. I, I need some sleep, folks. <laughs> I'm sleepy. I'm weepy. Don't, don't judge it because I'm weepy. But don't judge somebody else because they're crazy. And again, if they're out of hand, we'll deal with that. No tongue talking. No tambourines going on the platform and having a holy dance. We're not, you know. But this is a genuine conversion. This is a genuine healing. And listen, let me say something else. I have seen God heal people. I still believe it. I'm sorry, maybe you don't know this about your pastor, but I believe James told us to anoint the sick. I, I believe it. The, and, and pray for them and anoint them. Amen. And I've seen God heal people. I've seen, now I don't carry a, a, a bottle of, uh, I don't carry a bottle of oil around me looking for somebody to heal. Come over here, let me heal you. That's my nitroglycerin I have to take. I went back to Dr. Monroe and after my tests and everything, he said, how you doing? I said, doing fine. He goes, uh, you doing all right here? Your blood pressure's good. And he goes, you taking any nitro yet? And I said, no, I don't need to. He says, where's it at? I said, it's at home in the cabinet. He said, what's it doing in the cabinet? I said, because that's where I keep my pills. He said, what if you need it? I said, oh, okay. So I got it. So that's my illustration of oil. I don't go around after people. Hey, let me, let me anoint you. But I still believe the Bible said, call for the elders, and they'll pray over you. And these deacons know, they've been with me, and we've seen healings. Amen. And it don't happen all the time. And let me tell you something, it doesn't happen because I do it or the deacons do it. In the name of Jesus. And if it's God's will, he heals them, he heals them. If it's God's will, they don't, he doesn't. He knows more than we do. But I believe in it. I believe in it enough to still believe in it and practice it. And I'm glad I've seen it. So don't look down on that kind of stuff either. And I'm not doing like these crackpots on TV and even around, I won't, I won't go there, uh, that anoint their oil on their pulpit and anoint themselves and anoint, 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 and look at I'm the anointed and come on. It's in the name of Jesus. And let me finish. I, I, through the name of Jesus, look, I'm just telling you these things John wrote to his little children. We're almost done. Third John 7, and I, I'll, I'll even stop. Third John, third John 7, verse 7, because there's only one chapter. Third John, I'm sorry, third John, verse 7. Watch this. Because that for his name's sake... They went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. What's he talking about here? He's talking about passion. What kind of passion? I found another I word, indomitable. Well, preacher, what's indomitable mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It means something impossible, improbable. I looked up the word in here. I love this. It has this meaning, never say die. You ever see that little cartoon where I, I think it's a pelican or something like that, and, and, and a fly has gone in its mouth or something like that. No, it's a frog. And you see the frog half in there, and he's got a hold of the pelican or the bird's neck, and he won't let him swallow him. <laughs> he's about halfway in, but he's got his arms out, holding on to his neck so he can't swallow. It's cute. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, you don't understand me. But anyway, it's the idea of never, never say die. Never give. Hey, there's always hope. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's always hope of help. There's always hope of healing. 
There's always hope of somebody that you know that's not saved that they can get saved. Right. Never give up. So preacher, well, I have loved ones that have gone away from the Lord. Never say die. Never give up hope. There is a passion that we need. And John saw it. And he writes it. And he says, because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing to John. What's he talking? He's talking about people that went out to preach the gospel in a very dangerous time. Why? They had a passion for Christ. Amen. It's interesting. At, before the cross of Jesus Christ, all the disciples were floundering. They were all denying him. They were all fleeing. Remember the other day I said Peter was afar off and everybody was... De- but there was a few at that, at, that, at that cross that stayed faithful. But then after the resurrection of Christ and after they see the Lord, they are all bold as lions. Something happened. And they went out preaching the gospel, even though it was very dangerous. Even though they could be a martyr, they went out. And I want to say something. When somebody, when somebody gets to the point where their spiritual walk with the Lord is so close that they say, Lord, whatever you want, I want. And then God says, okay, I want you to do this, or I want you to go here, or I want you to serve in this way. Support that. Don't try to put the fire of their passion out. Fan it. Today, in Germany, it's about 6 o'clock at night, about 10 minutes to 6. Daniel and the church had their big, big outreach today for Christmas, where they have choir and they have street work, and and they prayed. We prayed this morning for them. That would be in the afternoon. But all that work being done. And Daniel, my son, he, he works among the refugees, and many of these refugees have not proven to be everything they should be. And some of these African refugees, some of these, um, some of these uh, Muslim refugees, not Daniel's had any about, but there have, there have been trouble. There's been danger. There's been stabbings. There's been killings over there in Germany. As a parent, that concerns me. But you know, not so much that I want to discuss it with my son and say, son, don't put your family in that environment. Come home. Don't deal with them. Just, no, 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 no. I don't, want to, I don't want to blow out the passion he has for souls. And I just have to say, Lord, take care of them. John writes and says, hey, he says, because for his namesake they went forth, taking nothing. If somebody steps out in faith, believing God wants them to do something, support that. Pray for them. Encourage them. Don't be a downer. Amen. That's free. I got to quit. But I'll say this. I'll put these together and we're done. Just give it to you. 1 John 2, 12, we looked at this morning. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, we looked. Acts chapter 3, verse 16, we looked. 3 John chapter 7, we looked. And here's my last point. Through the name of Jesus, there's an interesting parallel. You say, what do you mean? All these verses were grouped together by a man named John who came to know Jesus Christ himself. And he had every one of these things in his life. He knew access. He knew opportunity. He knew assistance. He knew miracles. He knew assurance. Amen. And he shares them with us because he wants us to know them too. So here at the Christmas season, don't forget what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Saints, use his name. Share his testimony. 
please, please don't go out and say, please come to our church. Talk, we have a great church. You got to hear the singing in our church. We got to see the young people in our church. Hey, I'm glad maybe you're proud of our church. I'm proud of our church. But let's talk about Jesus. You can't go wrong with Jesus. This morning I was at the drugstore before I came to Sunday school. I had to pick something up. There was a man in line behind me. He had a really nice tan, uh, tandem hat on, Scottish-looking guy. And, and I'm talking to the girl, and I give her a track. And the guy steps back. He said, man, I haven't seen a man wear a suit like that in a long time. He said, I don't know when I, said, I, don't know when I uh, wore a suit. He said, I teach Sunday school in my church. And he said, I saw you give that piece of paper. And he said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I am too. He said, I'm of the, I'm of the Presbyterian persuasion. I said, that's okay. I said, you know, we, it's not about the denominational tag. It's about knowing Jesus. He said, yeah, exactly. He said, who are you? And I told him my name. I said, I'm a pastor. He said, where at? And I told him. He said, how long have you been there? I told him. He goes, whoa, that's pretty good. He said, well, you have a good Lord's Day. And I said, you have a good Lord's Day too. But, you know, the key is we both had something in common the Presbyterians and the Baptists. It's Jesus. Folks, the Methodists and the Baptists and the Church of God and the Assembly of God, if they're Christian, we have the same thing in common. It's Jesus Christ. But let's talk about not our church, not our denomination. Let's talk about Jesus. Because Gabriel said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. He didn't mention Parkview Baptist Church. He didn't mention your favorite college. Amen. Jesus. Because with Jesus, there's healing, there's help, there's salvation, there's power, there's passion. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bow. Father, thank you so much for liberty to preach. Lord, I'm struggling today with my emotions, so help me. And Lord, I pray that if somebody needs to have a, their hearts Touched that you'd touch them, Lord. Help them not be embarrassed by that. Help them be real with you. Lord, if somebody needs to praise the Lord, help them praise the Lord. Somebody needs to get right, help them to get right. Somebody needs to get saved. Oh, Lord, save their soul today. Lord, make it real to them. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you give us a wonderful invitation. Help people that need help. Save people that need to be saved. Bless your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.